listening to First Church Charlotte. Great to see you all today. We are going to read together in Philemon, uh, that small book in the New Testament, that letter that Paul wrote. And we're going to read together at uh, verse number four. And we will we will look into the scripture today. My title today, today my title today is something that I think is good advice for all of us. Let's all stand. Uh, we do this in the reading of the word, and uh, sometimes I have you sit, and that's created confusion. <laughs> but I reserve the right to do that, and I don't apologize. Not today. Maybe next week. Uh, Philemon. Uh, there's only one chapter to the book. And we are going to read at verse number four. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Uh, It's easy to love Jesus. It's sometimes hard to love the saints. If you'd like to smile at your neighbor and say, hey, hey, he's talking about you. It's easy to love Jesus. Why? Because he's perfect. <laughs> and no even his enemies are like, I find no fault in him. But now, loving the saints, whoo, that takes a little bit more help. Paul says, I've heard of how you have faith and love toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Uh, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Somebody say effective. The sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So, you're supposed to have a sharing function to your faith. And that sharing is made effective when you acknowledge every good thing that God is doing in your life. So my title today is in the form of a poetical question. This is a a question the psalmist writes in his psalms. And it is asked of oneself. And it goes like this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Somebody say in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, please say amen so he won't go long today. You may be seated. Amen. That's right. Barry just wants me to preach short because he's getting baptized today. And he's... He's just ready to get baptized, you know, and he's like, all right, no long-windedness up there now. And so uh, we are, we are, of course, excited for that. Now, we are, uh, all of us, called to be uh, representations of the Lord Jesus Christ in our society. Uh, that means as long as we are here on earth that we should be purpose-driven and mission-minded. That must be our focus. We must be purpose-driven and we must be mission-minded. Um, 
there's going to be a day when we're taken out of this world. And when that day comes, we're going to know him. We're going to know God in a way we've never known him before. We are going to literally stand face to face with him. Paul said in that day, now we see it through a glass darkly, but in that day it shall be face to face. And that is, that's really uh, a tremendous understanding because uh, Moses, the closest Moses was able to, to see of God was just the, 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 the remnants of the glory that passed in front of the cave, the cleft that was protecting him. That was all that Moses uh, was able to see. But a day is going to come when you're going to stand in the presence of God in complete and final unity. You are going to be made like God. God. You are going to be, as it were, brought into a oneness, a divine spiritual oneness where we are unified together as he originally intended a creation to be. Don't you want to make it to heaven? Don't you want to make it to heaven? I don't know what that's going to be like. I, I love to be in the presence of the Lord, and I, I know you do too, and I have great moments, memories in my life of, of just powerful, powerful moments of being in the presence of God, and that's just like a, a little bit of a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what it's going to be like. But imagine the most amazing service in your history, the most amazing moment where you are just run riot with a sense of the divine. Your soul is exploding within you like fireworks on 4th of July and there you are in the presence of God and you can't put it into words and you can't explain it and you are just kind of just blasted by the divine. Now imagine that and multiply it by several orders of magnitude. You can't take his presence now but a day is going to come when you're going to be able to take his presence. You can't see his glory now but a day is going to come when you're going to be able to see his glory. You can't worship him right now without getting tired and hungry. Some of you get tired before you get hungry. Some of you get hungry before you get tired. But you can't do it right now without getting tired and hungry. But a day is going to come when you're going to be able to see him as he is. You're going to be able to stand in his presence. There is going to be final unity. There's going to be final fellowship. And we shall be made one. The created return to the creator. Oh, praise God. But as long as we're still here, we have to be mission-minded and purpose-driven because the Lord has us here for a reason and for a purpose. Uh, And so we, all of us, want to have an effective witness. We want our life to be an example. We want our words to be an example. And we want our, uh, our, 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 our... the way in which we carry ourselves, the way in which we work in our our respective careers. We want all of these things to be examples of God's love in our life. Can I have a big amen? Okay, so uh, we're we're agreeing on that. We're unified on that. And I want to to, uh, point out what Paul is saying here in this this passage. And he's basically saying this to this this individual to whom he's writing. And he's saying, look... um, uh, if you if you want an eff- 
effective witness, if you want an effective witness, you have to acknowledge everything, every good thing that God is doing in you. And the truth is, sometimes we're not very uh, good at that. We're very good at being critical to ourselves. We're very good at punishing ourselves in an attempt to make ourselves good in the future. Uh, we fall into these snares of spiritual um, being, this, this way of walking, this habit of spiritual life whereby we get increasingly hard on ourselves in an attempt to in some way perhaps forgive ourselves for the past or convince ourselves to be strong in the future because we think sometimes, and this is an error, that strong Strength comes from our ability to grit our teeth and make ourselves do something. That is not where strength comes from. That's where frustration comes from. Strength comes from the Lord. Victory comes from the Lord. Hope comes from the Lord. And although your discipline is powerful and it is helpful and it is good, it represents what you can do, not what God can do through you. And so we get in this habit of of, of we're down on ourselves. And so we're, uh, even if we're, everything's right in our life and we're pretty much mostly prayed through most of the time, which is about the best most of us ever get to. We're mostly prayed through most of the time. And we, uh, none of you are prayed through before you've had your coffee. It's just not the way that, not the way your brain works. You need a minute. Uh, it's like I bought my wife a shirt that says, I haven't had coffee. Don't speak to me. And it's her, one of her most true shirts that she's ever, ever had in her life. I haven't had coffee do not speak to me and so (laughs) but we most of us most of the time are trying to get right even then we can be very hard on ourselves we can be down that we haven't done enough for God we can look back at errors we've made in our past and speak negativity to ourselves we can be ashamed of ourselves and we can cast away our own confidence because of this 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 voice that we have continually speaking into our spirit and we become the sum total of the voices in our life. We do. Uh, There is in the business world and the whole social deal, they say you are the sum of your relationships in your your civic life, in your personality. And I, I, I I would say that uh, that, of course, it's not the whole, it's, there, there is a truth there. It may not be the whole truth, but there is a truth there. And so it is also in our spiritual lives. We become the sum of the voices that speak life to us, speak direction to us. And that's why you need a church family of people who believe in you and love you and lift up your tired arms. Can I have an agreement in the house? And so you need that. And, and these voices in our life, they can be good or they can be bad. They can, they can be a blessing. They can be a curse. They can speak hope, faith, and direction to us, or they can speak confusion, doubt, and fear. But the truth is, the manner in which we speak to ourselves is probably the single most impactive things in our our life uh, concerning our attitude, concerning how we go through setback, how we deal with troubles. If we're really negative on the inside, it's almost impossible to be positive on the outside. If we're really, really doubtful on the inside, it's hard to be 
positive on the outside. You have to first build, or let me say it this way, you have to first win the battle of faith inside before that faith is going to come out of you to other people. Some of the harshest things we say, we end up saying to ourselves. Some of the meanest things you have ever said in your life have been things you have said to to yourself. I have talked to many, many pastors. I, I need voices in my life and I reach out to people to speak speak into, me, into my life. I have mentors in my life and I, I need them. I have uh, uh, friends in my life. They speak into my life and I, I, I know this. If, if, I am, if I am filled with, with, with this, this, this doubt and fear and confusion, there's a pretty good chance it will come, it will express itself in the words I give back to myself because I'm just as crazy as you are and I can't stop talking to myself. I'm just as crazy as you are, and I can't stop talking to myself. When I see you, I, hey, how you doing? And then I wonder, I wonder if they like me or they're mad at me about something. I see you, I'm like, oh man, good to see you. And I'm like, oh, they weren't as happy to see me this Sunday as they were last Sunday. They must not like my tie. Well, I can't help they don't have good taste. Lord, save them anyway. You see what I'm saying? That voice is always there, always there, always there, always there, always there. Uh, You know, I've talked a lot about how we are administrators of grace. Uh, There's one spiritual theme that Jesus is quite clear about uh, that is established in the scripture, and it goes like this, the same measure whereby we mete out grace to someone else and mercy to someone else, uh, that is the measure that is used to mete it back out to us. And I I believe this, if, if we speak, uh, if we're cruel to ourselves, we are a poor administrator of God's grace in our life. Do you see? And so you will see something in the scripture that, that where Paul is saying this, look, if you, if you want to be effective, you need to acknowledge every good thing that God is doing in you. If you are filled with pain from your past, uh, you need to find a way to let God's healing begin to move into that because you need to acknowledge the good things God are, is doing in you. If you have failed recently, you cannot let failure be the story, the epitaph on your life work. You need need to say, okay, I failed, I dropped the ball, but I'm going to acknowledge every good thing that God is doing in me here today. I'm going to acknowledge that I once was lost in sin and then Jesus entered in. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm not who I ought to be, but I'm not who I used to be. I'm going to acknowledge that although the whole world comes against me, God's on my side. I'm going to acknowledge that though the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord God raises up a Oh, yes. Sorry, I got excited. Uh, I'm not sorry. It's just rhetorical. I'm really saying they should have been more excited than they actually were. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, I love having church with y'all. So anyway, here we go. I've got to acknowledge every good thing God is doing in me right now because everything in my life ain't proper English good. But everything God is doing in me, ooh, that's good stuff. Yeah. 
so. Everything in me isn't good. Everything I'm going through isn't good. Everything I feel isn't good. Everything I suffer with isn't good. But everything God happens to be doing in me is ever, ever, ever so good. And if I will get in the business of acknowledging God's good work in me, my faith will begin to rise. My hope will begin to rise. My joy will begin to rise. And I will begin to believe maybe I can do something for the king. All right, so mm, let's continue along in a structured manner. <laughs> Praise God. So there is a, a, a psalm in the scripture that, that shows us how to talk to ourselves. Now, I know it's crazy people who talk to themselves, but that's not true. Everybody talks to them crazy, uh, talks to themselves. It's just, um, you know, every, everybody hears voices. It's just, uh, you know, when they talk to those voices, sometimes those voices talk back. And that's, it starts getting crazier and this kind of, you know, uh, downhill slope. So that's just a sweet way, way of saying you're probably a little bit crazy. So um, here we are, and the Bible teaches us how to, how to talk to ourselves. Now, um, when everything's awesome in your life, you don't have any problem talking to yourself. If everything's awesome, you're probably like, hey, things are good. I got the job I wanted. I got the house I wanted. Everything's good, right? Drive the car I wanted. It's when things aren't good that there's trouble. And you start saying, man, I just, uh, I just disgust myself. Okay, so when things are bad, that's when it's hard to know how to talk to yourself. Um, there is a certain kind of, uh, of psalm in the collection of praise and worship music in the scripture known as the Psalms. And it's called a, a mask hill. It is a, it's an instructional psalm. It's as though the songwriter says, okay, guys, I'm going to give you a Bible study, but I'm going to do it in a song. So just imagine uh, we have our, our praise team up here and uh, say Preston gets his guitar out. And he goes like, hum. I'm a one God, abstract tongue, talking to holy roller, born again, heaven man, believer in the pinnacle bay power of Jesus' name. That's a teaching song. Okay? So, uh, <laughs> this psalm structure is to teach you something. It's not just praise and worship. It is instructional. And it is dedicated to the sons of Korah. I should explain. Now, the passage I'm going to be reading in is Psalms 42 and 43. And this was originally one psalm. It's not two psalms. It was separated in the translation process. And uh, also because it, has, it had fragments to it. Uh, but it was originally written as one psalm. And you can see that in the structure of it. And uh, this is a psalm dedicated to the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah were the doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. You guys remember that? Uh, we, we've, we've preached that before, and I, I love that image. Um, Korah led, Korah was an, a black mark, so to speak, an embarrassing moment, uh, so to speak, on the, on the history of the children of Israel's exodus out of Egypt. And, and you see this, this moment where he loses faith in Moses' authority, and he basically pulls a power play. And he, he says, look, Moses, you know, uh, the Lord doesn't really just have a, a relationship with you. You should, you should you know, live 
listen to our voices in the same manner we listen to your voices. Anyway, it, it, it's complicated. He tries to take over, and Moses was like, look, I can't fight you. I'm just going to, uh, we'll, we'll just let the Lord sort this out. And judgment comes, and uh, that Korah and those who side with him literally are killed by God in judgment in that moment. But the sons of Korah, the grandsons of Korah, they are saved from this judgment, and the Lord incorporates them into the structure of the formal worship at his house, whether it's first at the tabernacle or later at the temple complex, they become part of the structure of the worship service, okay? And this is how it works. You know how when you come in the church, we have greeters out there, and their job is to welcome you into the house of the Lord. I love it. I, I try to work every Sunday out there. I try, to, I try to work it out there. And my goal is to let you know, first of all, I'm glad you're here. Man, maybe nobody else may be glad you're here. They probably are, but let's just say they aren't. But I'm still glad you're here. I want you to know that. I want to raise your energy when you come in the house of the Lord. I want you to be glad to get in the house of the Lord. I want to greet you because I'm glad you're here. I know you're not perfect. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. You know why I enjoy it? It's because I'm not perfect either, and I want you to be glad I'm here. That is the heart of a son of Korah. I really didn't have a right to be here either. I could have easily been cut out of the fellowship of the righteous, but God made a way through mercy and grace to include me in this house. And so my job is to find everybody else who's been included by mercy and grace and say, man, I'm glad you're here. So, when we read this passage, we begin in chapter number 42, and we begin to see uh, this, this uh, psalm that is written for the instruction of the sons of Korah. The most famous scripture is the first one, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, uh, O God, after you, O God. That is the most famous passage of, these, of this psalm, but it will continue, and it will continue in the following way. The first thing that David is going to acknowledge is that he is very dry in his spirit. Anybody ever been dry in their spirit? That's his first acknowledgement. Um, and he, he, he going to spend the first, the first f- uh, four verses of this passage, uh, he is going to say, man, I am, I am, I am dry. I'm hungry, but it doesn't matter that I'm hungry for God. I, I can't find him. I'm thirsty for his presence, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I can't seem to find his presence. I, I feel a little bit lost. And um, I, I know none of you guys have ever felt this way, but I, I felt this way so much in my life. And I, I told the 9 a.m. service a personal example about how, um, and I was thinking about this in prayer and how the, probably the lowest moment I can remember in my own experience was, was, uh, after I had, after I had, uh, you guys know I'm a cancer survivor and I, I, I did, I did six months of chemo and in the, in the two years after that experience, uh, maybe less, may have been less than two years, but it, it, I, I wasn't keeping like an exact day, but that's how I remembered a, a 24 months, 18 months, something like that, of just really feeling uh, 
as though I had lost any spiritual sensitivity that I, that I had. Um, I, I would pray and I got nothing and I would preach and I, I might, I might enjoy the moment, uh, but I, I didn't feel what I was used to feeling. I was so dry. And interestingly, at that stage of my life, I had probably the most opportunities to, to preach at various places than I've ever had in my life. And I, you know, I've always wanted to be a celebrity preacher, but I can't get anyone to agree with me and actually give me the celebrity opportunities. And, um, I, but in that time, in the driest time of my life, I, I preached Florida camp meeting during that time. I preached the PK uh, side of Because of the Times, where the, all the PKs have their own conference. And uh, I, these were opportunities that, that I had. And I, I was going to really the best opportunities of my of my preaching uh, experience and I honestly I could feel nothing it was like I was emptied out it was like someone had just opened the valve of my heart and completely emptied me out and I was going on empty and so you know what I did I did the same thing you do when you're on empty you just get out and push <laughs> how many of you have ever gotten out and pushed <laughs> you are on empty the car's not going anywhere. You can rev all day, but the car looks at you like, really? And nothing is happening. And so what do you do? You get out and you push and you push and you don't feel like you get very far. And then the truth is you don't get very far and you hope somebody will come by with some gasoline and set your house on fire. But for the glove of all that is good, you can't do anything but push that car. I'm dry. Let me tell you something. You serve God long enough, you're going to have some dry days in your life. Sometimes the car is going to carry you and sometimes you're going to carry the car. Sometimes the service is going to carry you and sometimes you're going to carry the service. Let me tell you something. We're blessed in our church and we, we're blessed that we have decent facilities and, and, and we have, we, we're, we're blessed. We have a, a good ministries and we have all of you here. But I, I grew up in a church that ran between 50 and 100. Uh, uh, various, that's, that's where I grew up in. That was my, my young experiences in the church. And uh, I, I, I can still go in a small church and I can feel like, yeah, man, I, I, yeah, I have the tickets. Uh, you know, I, I saved all the album covers. You know, I, I know this as an evangelist. I preached in many, many churches under that hundred size. And when you get in a larger uh, a, a facility or a larger group, yeah, it can be a help if there's people there to help you. Sometimes the service carries you and sometimes you carry the service. But let me tell you, if you serve God long enough, there's going to be days where you feel like you're empty. Why does David feel empty? Because he's running for his life. His son Absalom has betrayed him. His son Absalom is trying to kill him. His son Absalom has turned his own staff against him and spoke ill of him and went in a subtle manner, became the gathering point of all the critics of Israel. You can read the story yourself and, and wait at the gate after judgment. That's where judgment happened. Then he'd say, well, if I had been in charge. It should have been done this way. You get the idea. It's a human story. It's nothing new under the sun. 
It's a human story. And here David is running for his life. And he's saying, I feel dry. That's the first confession of the individual in the moment of trouble. They feel very dry. The second confession that he's going to make is at verse number 6 through 11. And he says at this moment, I feel like I'm drowning in my troubles. Hmm. I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm just, I can't make any progress. I'm just trying to keep it together. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, it's just this side over here that knows what I'm talking about. This side here, y'all are too spiritual with too much money in the bank to know what I'm talking about. But these people that are here know what I'm talking about. I can't make any progress. I'm doing my best just to keep it together. Okay, so what's the first confession? I'm dry. I don't feel anything. The second confession, I'm drowning in my troubles. And number three, this is Psalms 43, the one that was actually separated as the third movement of this, of this Hebrew uh, worship poetry. And he says this in, 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 in this passage, I am defeated by my enemy. Here's his three confessions. Number one, I am so dry in my spirit. Number two, I feel like I'm drowning in my problems. And number three, I am defeated by my enemy. Okay. Somebody say that's real. Um, So here we are. Now what? What do you say to yourself when you're walking through those three realities? He's going to teach you because this is a teaching psalm. And so look at the three movements of the poem, the worship poem that we see. First of all, I am dry in my spirit. And then you get to the end of this Part, this stanza and he says this in uh, chapter 42 and in verse number verse number 5 after admitting he's dry in his spirit he asks this question of himself why are you cast down oh my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in the Lord. Somebody say hope in the Lord. Say it with me. Hope in the Lord. For I shall yet praise him. I feel so dry. I'm a little bit mad because brother Don's feeling it today and I'm not feeling it. He's up here talking about how he just popped out of bed this morning. That just made me want to kick you in the shin. <laughs> he popped out of bed with an extra pep in his step. Huh. I'm dragging myself from one bed pillar to the other, falling out, saying, my God, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. If you don't wake me up with the angel of heaven, I'm going to go back to sleep. Oh, God, if you don't do it, if you don't get my and your wife back in town, I'm going to make it. Oh, my God, I'm about to kill somebody. And Don's like, hey, he's like the Fonz of Pentecost. I'm dry. You know what I say when I'm dry? Why are you cast down, old soul? Rejoice in the Lord. You need to acknowledge every good thing God's doing in you. 
You need to acknowledge every time he's fought your battle. You need to praise him for every time he's brought you through. Yeah, you're in a dry place, but you need to acknowledge every good thing that God is doing in your life. Yeah, you're hurting right now, but you need to acknowledge every good thing that God is doing. I said somebody ought to acknowledge every good thing that God is doing. Secondly, second reality, I feel like I'm drowning in my troubles. I just can't make it anymore. I'm drowning in my troubles. What are you going to say about this reality, my dear brother? You who are going to strum your harp and sing your song. I'm glad you acknowledge the reality of my circumstance. And I too feel like I'm drowning. What advice do you have at the end of the drowning course to the song? And here comes the singer's advice. Why are you cast down? This is verse number 11, the end of the drowning portion. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet praise him. This is your teaching worship course right now. You feel dry. You should not let your soul be cast down. Have a conversation with yourself and say, all right now, old buddy, old pal, let's acknowledge the good things God are doing. Let's praise him anyway. Let's worship him anyway. I know you're dry. Let's worship him anyway. Oh, to everybody who feels like they're drowning. I said to everybody who feels like they're drowning, I have a good word for you here today. Acknowledge the many good things that God is doing in your life and lift your eyes heavenward and say to your soul, why art thou cast down? Oh, my soul, hope in the Lord. Now here comes the third course. The first one was the I'm so dry course. The second one what is the, I'm just drowning. Isn't that interesting? That's the sign of confusion. You don't know if you're dry or drowning. One, you don't have water. The other, you have too much. You don't know what's going on with you. You're just at your wits end. You're either drowning or you're dying of thirst. You can't figure out. You're just confused. And here's the third one. I am defeated by my enemy. Now, you guys don't know what that feels like. But I am a little bit of an expert in this subject. I had a brother five years older than me. And so I often knew the feel of defeat. That's funny. I don't care if y'all laughed or not. (laughs) He used to beg me to play ball with him. And he'd say, oh, Nathan, I'm just going to use my left hand. I'm 10 and he's 15. He can beat me left-handed or right-handed. And then he would beat me again and he'd develop a new rule. Oh, I'm only going to shoot hooks. I'm 10, he's 15. He beats me shooting hooks. And pretty soon I I start crying because I'm really a sissy at heart. I start crying. I said, I'm not playing anymore. And he'd say, you're a sissy. I, I, I took away all my advantages. I am an expert in defeat. I have a PhD in defeat. Bless me. <laughs> David says, I am defeated. Okay, let's say, let's get, let's, let's postulate that. Let's give you that. You're defeated. What do you do when you feel defeated? Well, David was hoping you were going to ask that question because he's going to end the defeated portion of the psalm this way. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in the Lord. 
hope in God for. You see, this is what you really have to say to yourself in spite of everything else. You switch from a question, why are you so depressed, to a statement, I shall. You're no longer asking questions. You're no longer saying, oh, you poor darling, how do you feel? No, you're saying, oh, no, switch from the rhetorical question to the declarative answer. I shall praise. I shall bless. I shall worship. I shall glorify. I've come to tell somebody you're dry in your spirit. I shall praise. I shall worship. I shall glorify. I've come to tell somebody who you feel defeated in your life. I shall praise. I shall glorify. I shall worship. I've come to talk to somebody you feel like you're drowning, but this is the word of God to you. You've got to turn it around and preach it to yourself. I shall praise. I shall glorify. I shall magnify God. Let's all stand all across the house. Would you lift your voice and magnify God whatever you're facing? Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.